Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pro Try News. We are not your typical podcast. We have a wide range of hosts with varying opinions uh, and knowledge about triathlons. Our goal here is to unpack uh, professional racing and kind of explain to you guys, give a little bird's eye view of it. Um, and hopefully we can also keep you entertained for the next half hour. Uh, so let's dive in. I'm Kyle Glass, your host and editor. Um, joined today by our favorite Englishman, Mark Matthews, currently on vacation after his Ironman. Hey, man. How are we? <laughs> Better than you, Mark, after that uh, DNF. Sorry, dude. Yeah, well, DSQ, I think, is even worse. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I can't can't claim a full Ironman, I'm afraid. But uh, I got 20K into the run, and I, uh, I, I was basically DQ'd. Why? I... I went the so we shouldn't be talking about this. This is pro try news, and I'm an age group chocolate. <laughs> this is so amateur. Be, we can do amateur. Be, we can do amateur try news here for a this second. This shouldn't be making the coverage. <laughs> um, I was first off the bike, and then I was on sort of second on the run. Couldn't see anyone, and obviously most of us age groupers just follow the pros in front, and the crowds are there. And uh, there was no bike or anything with me, and I just I, I basically skipped a loop of the course at the, on my first lap. I just followed the road round, and the marshals. It's an amazingly run race, but I, I just missed a loop, realized I'd done it, ran the loop twice on the second lap, knew in my head I had to be disqualified because it sort of messed with people's mindset. And uh, I spoke to one of the, the race referees about 20K and he was like, yeah. So I just stopped, <laughs> got a coffee with Kat, uh, walked back to transition, picked my bike up and went home. But yeah, I was in second and uh, I blew it hard. Are you are you gonna go try and get a Kona spot somewhere else, or what? Are you I wouldn't. Gonna... I, I wouldn't have taken it, mate. I'm, I'm okay. firmly. I'm bag carrying, pumping up tires for Cat. I've got no interest in. You know, she's in the big boy race. So I'm not gonna go and do the kids race and get in the way of that for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so no stress for me. No, it was a good experience, and I was going a lot better than I thought I would. So hey, I'll just book another one next year and crack on. Kyle, I'm sorry. You can come, I, I come to Alaska. Yeah. No, you're good. We can go all the go to Ironman Alaska together next year. So, all right, back to intros. Uh, we also have Boulder, Colorado's newest resident, Pat Lemieux. How's packing going? Terrible. We had a great uh, initial kind of six days of packing. Um, these last five uh, really not made any progress. So we've got reinforcements coming in in five days to help with Stanley, and then uh, I'm gonna. Ha- looks like I'm gonna have to make. The 2,000-kilometer drive from Portland to Boulder, I'm going to have to do that twice. But, yeah, it's okay. Uh, Unfortunately, Talbot's in the middle of a top-secret mission with uh, the L Word and won't be joining us today. Uh, Also, Chelsea's in the middle of her 100 beers, 100 miles, 100... 100, I keep saying 100, 100, 100, like it's 100 beers, 100 miles, 100 days. 100 beers, 100 miles in one week. Uh, So she's busy with that. We also have a special guest today uh, with a pretty large resume, two-time Olympian, 15 podiums, three wins uh, from the draft legal side, and also the defending champion of 70.3 Sunshine Coast, uh, Mr. Aaron Royal. Aaron, how are you doing today? Well, thank you guys. Thanks thanks for having me. Long time uh, <laughs> listener, first time contributor. So thanks for having me on board. I actually sent Pat a message uh, a few weeks ago. I said, dude, you've got to get me on before you guys get too big. And I think uh, I might have stuck in just in time before you go really big. Okay, but, but Aaron, look, Kyle confirm, Mark confirm. This is our first Olympian on the pod. Well, besides, like, well, we had Flora on once, right? But that was a separate yeah. show. But then yeah. this is also our first world champion on the pod, right? 
I would say so. I didn't know you were world champion. I missed something on uh, on your intro. Uh, under twenty three world champion. I kind of like maybe it's a half world champion. I don't know. Does uh, that really well, count? Well, regardless, is our first half world champion as well. <laughs> <laughs> but Flora, Flora's a world champion too. No. Well, but she was on a set. She was on an Olympic special. This is really kind of like our full. This is our. This is the big show. Uh, you beat so, my drum. I'll take it. Thanks, Pat. I think um, a lot of our long distance listeners will hear you say under twenty three, and they'll assume it's just like a normal age group category. But it, just to be clear, in ITU racing, you have <laughs> juniors, under twenty three, men's elites. There's only the three, so it's it's not quite an age group win before people start thinking that's what Aaron's come to this party with. It's a hell of a lot more than that. <laughs> I mean, and, and uh, you know, Aaron, would, are you the winningest? Who's got the record for Noosa wins? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Craig Walton has that. He's the king still. of Noosa. Yeah, he's still how many, it, how, yeah. how many short are you? Uh, I think two, but I'm not going to be back this year, and I'm not getting any younger, so it's kind of... <laughs> It's slipping away from me, I think. I, I don't know. Waldo's, I, I, bu- Waldo's breathing a sigh. <laughs> He's breathing yeah. a sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> bummed, actually, because it was obviously cancelled with a lot of things last year, and I was in Australia ready to ready to race, so that could have been my, my opportunity. But, yeah, this year I won't be back in Australia, unfortunately, if it goes ahead, uh, that is. Well, give us a give us a recap of your Olympic experience. I know uh, getting selected for two Olympics is a pretty awesome feat. So, uh, just give us a recap of how it was. Um, obviously, there was like some fans, not as much as what we would hope to have seen. Um, but yeah, just uh, fill us in. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously an honor to go to to two Olympics. Uh, it, for me myself personally and and for australia it, it didn't it didn't play out near as well as what we hoped in, in the men's side the women's side or the mixed relay uh which obviously puts a little bit of a dampener on the actual experience itself uh and i think there's a few reasons for that and and i guess um we're still trying to unpack it ourselves as as athletes and as a federation as to what what rent what went wrong but i think um the biggest thing and the one that sticks out the most to me is that for four of the guys, well, four, we had six there, three, three males, three females on the, on this team. And for four of them, um, this was their first international race since September, 2019. And in elite sport, that's a long time for, uh, to be out, out of the game. And myself and Jake, uh, we only raced a couple this year and, and, you know, we could notice stepping back into that. Um, how how far the things progress each year and and it was just yeah too too much of a step we sort of knew that might have been the case going in but um you sort of try and tell yourself that 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 won't be right uh, well that's not the case and and that we'll be fine but yeah I think that was the biggest thing um but overall in the broader schemes yeah I think it was a great race um the three medal winners from both the men's women's and chucking the relay for that are all worthy winners um i think especially especially on the women's side they they are definitely the the best three for the last quad i would say and um and also on the men's side they were definitely worthy worthy winners they they really took the race and and made it their own i think um with with how that how they race that race so yeah and and to have crowds or to not have crowds i should say was a little bit disappointing but we actually we we were quite lucky, obviously in triathlon you can't close down the whole the whole circuit. So there was just there were people there, um, which made it a little bit nice as well. Okay, Aaron, we've had 
a lot of talk leading up to the Olympics. Uh, we, we talked a lot about domestiques and we spoke a lot about uh, selection of these races and, and how the relay has really impacted how teams are selecting. What do you think will be the major themes from this Olympics and then moving forward? Are we going to see more domestiques from more countries being used and are we going to see more teams selecting specifically around the relay? Uh, yeah, good question. I think domestiques maybe not as much, or de- definitely probably not as much. I don't think they have as big an impact. Uh, they are definitely they definitely can play an impact, but I don't think they have as big of an impact as what some may think. Um, but to the second part of your question, selecting for the relay, absolutely. I mean, for some countries they'll clearly won't have individual medal shots. And we spoke, I know you guys have spoke about that with, um, well, I can't remember who it was, but they had an outsider of the Dutchies going going quite yeah. well in your selections. And they finished fourth, like, yeah. you know, but none of them, well, sorry, I should say Maya King, but she's really turned it on this year, hasn't she? But prior to this year, you wouldn't have really selected anyone on that team as an individual shot. And I think you'll start to see that a lot more moving forward where they either don't race the individual like the Dutch men did, didn't or they're selected purely just off relay abilities and um at the end of the day that's an olympic medal that that the federations can take home yeah and certainly do you think that there will be some tweaking then from the from the world triathlon i guess in order to get everyone to race the individual or like they probably didn't really like that people were sitting out the individual to save it for the relay or where do you think they kind of how do you think that'll shake out come the next olympics in 24 yeah they'll definitely have to fine-tune that because what you'll find is that and and in the end i think the only two you might you guys might know but i think the only two that didn't race the individual and save themselves for the relay were the two dutch guys could be wrong on that but i think that was it um and and the fear was leading into tokyo that if more people did that then the isc will turn around and go well, actually, you don't need 55 starters. You only had, we gave you 55 quota places, but next Olympics, we're only going to give you 40 because you didn't use 15 of them. That wasn't the case this time, but that was the biggest fear. And if it starts to go down that avenue, then we could find ourselves in a bit of trouble as a sport. So, yeah, I think the ITU will change how they um, word the the wording around racing individual and the relay for sure. Yeah. And then the question that I had um, and what seemed to be true was it seems like the athletes that participate in the relay do really enjoy it and feel a sense of national pride and pride to be on that team. Uh, since you, you observed it, you've been on, I mean, you've been on a world championship relay team, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. One of, well, you've won a few. So, but few do you, and, and so do you think that most athletes are, they do really want to be a part of that relay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and that's that's evident. Yeah, I think. Yeah. People are, are training specifically just for the relay now. Um, the New Zealanders, they're another big example. They obviously didn't have the Tokyo race that they were hoping for, but they were definitely in there as maybe an outsider. Definitely top five. They they had the capabilities of, and they're they're specifically just training for the relay now, and you'll start to see that more and more as as this develops. Um, further down the track and and I know we'll talk about it a little more a little bit more later on but the Montreal race that's coming up this weekend um with a super sprint sort of format uh they they are pushing to try and get that into Paris Olympics as an event which 
wasn't the case, but um, they they will still try and put that in for LA as well. So you're going to start to see different types of athletes racing at the Olympics for sure as we, as we move forward into this and, and get further into this sort of racing. Okay, last thing with you, and then we'll just get into the normal thing. Give us a, give us a glimpse of what's next. What does the remainder of the year look like for you? You know, it's August. It's already August 10th, but it seems like we're only halfway into the season. So give us give us an idea of what the rest of your calendar looks like. Yeah. So as I, as I said, we're I'm in Montreal now for the for the World Series race. Then the following weekend, we've got the grand final in Edmonton. Uh, then I head back to Leeds for a couple of weeks, where I base myself in the Northern Hemisphere throughout the summer, and um, then I join the Super League circus. So for those that don't know the Super League is coming in in September and we race in London, Munich, Jersey and Malibu all back-to-back weekends so it's going to be a busy month Um, and then after that I'm undecided fully yet I think maybe I might join the the Boulder residents or the Lemu residents in Boulder for a couple of weeks after uh, after Super League see what that's all about and uh and and then yeah i want to try and do a half somewhere but it's just trying to find the right one and and giving myself enough time to prepare for it so you are you are qualified for 70.3 worlds but you're not going to race it no so yeah i qualified obviously at sunshine coast 70.3 um in 2020 last year um and i was sort of tossing up between the two and and had i not qualified for the olympics my season probably would have taken different path and i would have really focused on that uh but yeah this year I'm, I'm i'm going to give that a miss and um hopefully next year love it well we can uh we can dive into 70.3 boulder so uh this weekend was 70.3 boulder obviously first place was sam long despite his four minute deficit out of the water uh with a blazing bike and a super fast run uh, Sam Appleton finished second place with a fantastic run-bike combo. And then Colin Ch- Chartier has kind of made a name for himself this past season, um, leaving the draft legal scene and coming into 70.3s. It seems we have been joined now by uh, Talbot Cox. Talbot, do you have uh, anything you'd like to say about uh, the men's race? At sorry, sorry, I was out, I was out recording. Uh, so, no, it was, it was a great race, you know. Uh, I Once again... Uh, I think that one thing that that it's going to be t- well. First off, the men's race was great. Sam Appleton came out of the water, had a incredible lead. He, I mean, he obviously knew the race he needed to do to get away, so he got away from the pack, swam away, pretty much rode solo all day, uh, and then the pack came out about a minute later, and then about an hour and a half later, Sam Long came out of the water. So <laughs> it, at the end of the day, it, it I think it's going to be rough uh, for Sam when he goes to a championship event. I mean, we saw that in Tulsa, but d- don't get me wrong. He had an incredible race. Uh, he ended up coming away at the win. The, the worst part about the entire race was the smoke that came in from the wildfires on the um, West Coast. So that kind of ruined the day. Um, but the women's race... I mean, we pretty much said it from the start. Taylor Nib was going to uh, put on a show, and I have to tip my hat to her. On her road bike, there's only one female that outrode her, and that was Emma Pallant, who only outrode Taylor by like 20 seconds. So Taylor was on a road bike and outrode uh, every single athlete in that entire field. It's pretty embarrassing. Uh, also, she was riding into a lot of the um, males, the male field. So. 
if I was a male pro athlete, I'd probably look at retirement if a uh, athlete was passing me during a 70.3 on a road bike with a uh, five minute gap between the starts. So it'd be pretty it's be said. It's got to be said that Emma Pallant's win and overall time and the percentage behind the men was an incredibly strong performance. And that was then reflected in the PTO points she earned. She earned like 106 PTO points for it. Um, she bagged a 117 run off the back of it and went sub four hours. So though Taylor Nib was really, really impressive and it was exciting to see, and it would be great to see her do it on a time trial bike. She lost exactly four minutes to Emma Pallant on the run, which is a lot over a 70.3. So yeah, Taylor Nib was wicked and really exciting, but I, I thought Emma Pallant was brilliant. I, um, um, go on. Yeah, I, I saw, I came into the coverage late after the pass had been made. Um, and Emma's run form looked, fa- I thought, fantastic. And and all I thought was, you know, this is this is a woman that's kind of capable. Uh, I think she she had that uh, that result and and just looked so uh, within herself on that on that run. It didn't really seem like she was she was going too deep. So I don't know. I know that she's hasn't has talked about not doing an Ironman again, but I I don't know. I thought she looked I thought she looked really really good and has to think about it. Yeah, she's she's sort of said that she's not going to do one for a while. The the other one from the women's race that I thought was really really impressive was Chelsea Sodaro. I don't know if you guys saw she came in sixth and um, just eleven minutes down on Emma four months after giving birth um, to roll in sixth there and bag herself a slot to the Collins Cup automatic slot of that as well because of her points. Hell of a comeback from her. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it w- it was really really impressive and she was running hot too. So. Um... There was a lot of people talking on Twitter and social media about the point system, Um, and I was just going to kind of say my thoughts on it, and I know Sam will listen to this and probably get upset about it. I think that Sam getting 97 points was a very, very fair score. Um, Chatted with Sam Appleton before the race. He said he wasn't in the best of shape. He's coming around for the Collins Cup and 70.3 Worlds. He took a little sabbatical for a little bit, but um, and he... I think that when you when you come four minutes down out of the water, it was a new course, um, so it was a bit faster. But I thought that 97 against that field was a fair assessment of the points. Emma was able to score a lot of points, and she beat some pretty big names. I mean, Sky Munch is ranked extremely high, so is Jeannie Seymour. Um, so when you, when you come away and you annihilate a field like that, I think that it was very well assessed. She deserved the amount of points that she got. Great. Yeah, completely. Yeah, you know, on that, um, Sam Long, he was four minutes down out of the water. That, when you come to a championship race, you know, Sam's obviously a very, very good swimmer, Sam Appleton. But you're going to come up against some even faster swimmers. I know Sam always leads out of the, well, he's always up near the front, but, you know, he's not the fastest swimmer. There's going to be other people pushing the pace. So if you're talking to championship race, that's more like probably four and a half, five minutes down. So he's really going to have mm-hmm. to, you know, really have to work a lot um, to get back into the race from there. And it just like what you said, Aaron is like that bike pack is going to move almost the speed that front bike pack where those guys, like let's say Jan comes out, uh, back guard wouldn't be with them, but like a group like Jan Ferdino and all that, they're going to be moving the same speed as Sam. So they're just going to be four minutes up the road. So he'd probably only close a minute or two on them throughout the entire race. So it's like, that's why I thought that a 97 was a pretty good assessment on his performance. Yeah. 
I completely agree. And that, I mean, Vakagard would be with that pack, by the way. He's one of the fastest swimmers in world triathlon. He's an ex-pro swimmer. Um, but there's also, there's the idea that that pack moves so much faster in 70.3 than it does in in the full distance as well. You can you can play the gradual chase over a full Ironman, which is what where Sam's strength seems to lie. In the 70.3, because the pace is so much higher, the extra power you have to push becomes exponentially more at those sort of 46, 47k an hour speeds, it makes it impossible to close a five-minute gap or near enough impossible. Can I can I make an observation and tell that you were on the ground there? And I'd like to... We haven't talked about shoes for a while, but Sam was wearing the Asics. Um, I thought his feet were hitting the ground a lot better than when he had the Nikes on. Did you? Was that something that you observed or you noticed? I didn't see Sam much. I know that I did watch his post-race interview where he did say that he ran in the Asics before Ironman Quarter Lane and he thought about wearing them in there, but he didn't want to make a rash decision. And if he didn't have enough runs in them, he only ran in them once, but he felt that they were a lot more responsive with the loose gravel and a lot of turns at Boulder. He felt like that that shoe responds a lot better than the um nikes i don't know if uh aaron could probably hit on the aaron have you ran in both shoes no i've only i've only actually ran in the nikes i do want to give the asics a try but um yeah no i've just run in the nikes so i mean and it's it sounds like that's what a lot of the athletes are saying it, it feels almost like the nike but it's just a lot more responsive so cat switched from the nikes to the asics for exactly that reason they're just they're a bit of a lower stack and a bit more control on a technical course. Should, I think should... there's two different heel drops you can pick between. Yeah, there are, yeah. Mm, yeah, there is, yeah. The rapid and the something else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it will be interesting to see what, uh, I guess you, you just saw such a dominant performance of all the athletes wearing Nike, and now you're seeing a lot of the athletes wearing uh, Asics now, so. It's interesting with triathlon, because you get to see it actually almost before you do in running because there are less tied sponsorship athletes. So in the Olympics, in the top nine, seven of the shoes were Nike. One was Asics, one was Adidas. So this is in the marathon, sorry, in the Olympic marathon. But of course, they're contractually tied to that. Whereas you have some of the world's best triathletes that don't have shoe sponsors. So you might see slightly more variants coming in triathlon before you do running even, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, such... But can we be- talk about the? Can we talk about? Okay, go ahead, Talbot. Then but we're before touch we leave Boulder, right I just want to tip my hat to Thorsten. I know he gets a lot of flack for the PTO rankings. I personally felt like that this was a very well assessed race. Uh, Emma Blount's performance. I mean, one seventeen, a bit high, but I can see from the point rankings that she beat some people like that were ranked really high. But other than that, I would say he did an incredible job on um, doing the points with this race. So hats off to him. Mark, Mark, are we going to let him get away with um, the pronunciation of Emma Pallant? Oh, <laughs> Pallant. He said it about three different ways. So. Yeah. Pallant. Emma Brown. There we go. There you go. Well, Emma's, Emma's accent's changed. <laughs> we, got, we got some better names that Tal can pronounce here uh, for the last two races, 70.3 Switzerland and 70.3 Gdynia. So uh, for the men's race, 70.3 Switzerland, Rudy Von Berg won by about six minutes. Um, it was really just him racing. And so uh, Rudy Wild got second, and Felix Talbot, you want to go with the last name? Uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Henschel. We'll go with Henschel. All right. All right. All right. Deal. 
Uh, and the women's race, Daniela Reif had another dominant performance uh, on her new trusty steed, the new felt bike, and making it seven in a row at Switzerland, winning by seven minutes. Yeah, Julie Deron, um, who came second, hung with her. Daniela did her usual, where she, she let someone sit on her wheel for about 50K, and then I saw the 71K ticker time up, and suddenly there was a three-and-a-half-minute gap. She just destroys people in the second half of a race as and when she chooses on that felt thing that she was riding, the new felt, which has been incredibly well hidden. Um, most bikes, you get leaked photos of the new bikes coming out, but Daniela's done a, a felt, have done a very good job of hiding it. But it's, I don't know, guys, I don't, I've, I've bashed bikes on their looks too much recently on this show. Anyone enjoy the way that looked? I think it looked like Sipo and Tri-Rig <laughs> had a baby. That was the best way I could... <laughs> Think about it. I and I think anyone that saw it before had to sign an NDA. So if it leaked, yeah. you were going to yeah. be the one getting in trouble. So. It's interesting because she still had. Sorry, go on. Have you had you seen it, Talbot, or was that the first time you saw it? Uh, no, but I had talked to a few people that had seen it that signed an NDA, and it they were like pretty exclusive. Also, I think that each person. I could be wrong on this. I think that each person that saw it saw a different picture. Um with like maybe a copyright across it. So if it did get leaked, they would know who actually saw who leaked it so they could get in trouble. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, the first observations were she had her X-Lab torpedo between her bars, as she always does. She had two bottles on the back, as she always does. So it doesn't appear to have any integrated hydration or nutrition. Otherwise, she wouldn't be riding the X-Lab, you would think. There wasn't a second straw. So I don't know what, I, I don't know, it was an odd-looking bike. It'd be interesting to see more. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all we got from that race. There wasn't anything too exciting other than Danielle's bike and her winning seven in a row at Switzerland. It's going to be interesting to see if someone's going to come along and is like, I'm going to take it to Daniela, like a Lucy or someone like that in the future well, um, at this race. In Switzerland, yeah. Because I think Daniela's, again, her run wasn't dominant. Um, she's She's not shown a particularly fast run yet this year. She's looked beatable in almost every race she's done, which is, I think, good for the prospects in Kona, possibly. But she's still super strong, and does she need to run hard with that sort of margin? Maybe not. Well, and what about what about 70.3 Worlds? I mean, I don't know how much she's hedging her bets She's not there. doing it. She's not doing it. I don't see her doing my, it. That's my, that's my opinion. That's not fact. But after what we saw in Tulsa, she ain't doing it. So I think she will, because after Tulsa, even after on the finish line, she said that she was really keen for 70.3 Worlds. But, you know. Hmm. Let's move on, then we'll, let's, then we'll hit back on 70.3 Worlds. I got some good takes. All right, 70.3 Ganinia. Uh, no Max <laughs> Newman. Uh, it seems that he's going to be have his sights set on uh, Collins Cup, so putting all of his eggs in that basket. Uh, so first place was Mark's boy, James Teagle. Yeah, good lad. Sec- second place, Robert Callan. And third place, Christopher Mitterrand. Nice. And then in the women's race, Lucy Hall won. She trains up near you in Leeds, doesn't she, Aaron? Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see her bag another win. She just created such a big lead that there was no way that her run was going to let her down because obviously she tends to... Her race gets worse as it progresses from an exceptionally good swim. She's a very strong cyclist, and then her runners in recent years been a bit off form, is probably fair to say. But yeah, she took another win here, which is a third win this year for Lucy Hall, I think. 
Yeah. And uh, second and third place, I I don't want I don't want to pronounce those. <laughs> Talbot. Yeah. Cool. Great race. But Finland up on the next. <laughs> uh, Let's bank through these because I'd like to hit on uh, Montreal to hear Aaron's thoughts. But Finland is another big race this week. It's the European Championship for the female side. You have Imogen Simmons and Laura Phillip. I don't believe Imogen has a Kona slot, Mark. No, neither of them do. That's yeah, a really exciting do. matchup because they are two of the top 10 Ironman women in the world right there. Both have had injury issues. Both need their slots. Um, they both they race quite differently. Uh, Imogen will be out the swim ahead of Laura. Laura can run probably better than Imogen. Their bikes might be quite similar, though I'd probably back Imogen. So it could be a really good race for those two girls. Yeah, that will be uh, extremely exciting. And is the next day or the same day as Ironman Frankfurt? I think it's the next day. Yeah, it's next on day. Sunday. Which, which will be the men's European Championship. And this is essentially really bummed. We're not going to see Blumenfeld on the start list. Uh, that was going to be super exciting to see. But you have... Uh, Half the names on this start list are also on the Copenhagen start list, so it's kind of like a wild shot. You don't even know who's going to show up. I mean, you got Patrick Nielsen, Britt McMahon, McNamee, Casper Storns. I'm, I'm assuming Casper will race. Maurice Clavel, Buckingham. Uh, so Christian Hogenhauer is definitely racing, and so is Tom Davis definitely racing. But it's probably the weakest field we've seen at Frankfurt in an awful long time, just yeah. because so many of the good athletes are already qualified. And it's a bit, it seems quite late to Kona this time around. So it's not the strongest of fields. Mm-hmm. And of that, though, you, you, Patrick Nielsen has been so off form recently. Christian Hogan has a good shout for that. Um, but Casper Storms is the exciting one. Aaron, you, you must have raised him recently. Has he got the engine to go full? Well, I wouldn't put it past him, to be honest. I think um, any of those Norwegians, are, to be, probably, to be fair, they're better suited to that, that type of racing, especially Gustav and Casper. Um, if, if anything, their the, swim's the weakest out of the three. And so um, in ITU racing, that's where you can be found out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I've I, I spoken to both the, well, all of the Norwegians after the Olympics. They were all planning on doing... Um, well, obviously not Gustav because uh, he's already qualified, but he's he's focused fully on non-drafting now for the rest of the year. But Casper, uh, yeah, I think he'll go well. I think he'll 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 have a good race and and get that qualification spot. I think what will it be top three? But then there'll also yeah, be some roll downs. I think it'll be top three there because there's no women's field, so it's not like a split. So I think mm-hmm. there's three slots outright. But there'll uh, there are some athletes racing like Christian Hogan how that are Kona qualified, so he might not even have to podium to get a slot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see him doing that for sure. Um, the Alcatraz, escaped Alcatraz. Aaron, this would be one that you'd be really good at. Why aren't you down there? <laughs> is, is this the weekend, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you got a pretty... This is usually a pretty ITU-stacked field. Uh, you have Ben Canute, Jason West. Uh, Ben's won this race more times. I don't know. He might be coming up on Andy Potts to uh, challenge him for the run. But And then also, you in the women's race, you have... Emma Brown and Holly Lawrence and Fanella Langridge. Uh, so, I mean, that course is always just a pretty iconic course. But let's dive into Montreal. Give us the lowdown on that, Aaron. Well, where do I start? We're, um, we're stuck inside the, a hotel for the, well, for the next 48 hours, been in here for a, a good 20 to 48 hours now. So um, that's what everyone has to do. <clears throat> but I think uh, it'll be actually interesting to hear what your guys' thoughts on this Um but I, th- I think it's quite good what the ITU are doing in terms of mixing it up a little bit, a world triathlon, I should call it that, 
shouldn't I? Um, uh, and mixing it up and having different formats. I'm unsure just yet whether it should count towards the World Series because um, obviously this is this is points for the World Championship Series at the end of the at the end of the year. I think maybe not. Maybe maybe not. Shouldn't that shouldn't count? Um, but this is this is the way the 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 World Triathlon are heading down. Um, there there'll be more of these races coming in for sure. And and I think I think it will be exciting. And I think you you guys everyone will enjoy watching it. And um, um, I think it will be yeah very very friendly for the for the spectators. Um, so we have a. Uh, do you want me to run through the actual format? Explain the explain the format. Yep. Yeah. So we have. Um, well, there's only 40 on either side, um, starting 40 males, 40 females, and we'll have two qualifier heats, uh, 20 in each. And the top 10 from each heat will go straight through to the final, which will be on the following day. And the remaining 20 will go into the rapid charge, which will be raced on the afternoon of the heats. Uh, and so there'll be 20 in that. And then the following, uh, the top 10 from that will go into the final and make um, a final of 30 on the following day and then the following day we'll have um then i should say the distance actually it's a 300 meter swim 7.2k bike and a 2k run so sh- really short should take around about 20 minutes uh and then the final will be um three races of those back to back with about 20 minutes in between eliminating 10 um in each heat until you have the final 10 on the last race and and aaron how how close is this to the super league format <laughs> It's pretty well exactly the Super League format we've done this type of racing before, and but but it's not new, yeah. I I don't know whether you remember the Uncle Toby's or the the F one or the series that there used to be in the late nineties in Australia. So it's it's very much similar to that, and it's um it's what they're trying to bring back. But they are gonna but they are going to keep it consistent that it will always be swim bike run. They're not going to do the Super League thing where it's bike swim run they're always going to keep it swim bike run that's what i'm led to believe yeah i think they might change so with this one we have one race break for i think it's around about 20 minutes start the next one break for 20 minutes i think they will maybe have races where you go swim bike run swim bike run swim bike run back to back without breaking but yeah i'm led to believe it will stay in the same order as a traditional triathlon that was one critique i always had of of Super League and Talbot, I know you and I had spoke a ton about that. It was like we we were just so confused as to what was going to be next. And they, the one Super League they did in London or Manchester earlier in the year, they they seem to explain that a little bit better this time around. But I'm I'm happy that it will just be swim bike run, and I think that's a little bit easier to follow. What's interesting to me is they're they're doing this different format. They're condensing it down. And my my understanding was is they were they were moving from Olympic down to sprint for TV time. Well, now across two days, you're still taking up just as much TV time, right? So why not just go back to doing an Olympic distance race? I think there's space for both, isn't there? And it's it's like cycling as you know as a purist fan, we still love to watch Milan San Remo, which is a 300k sure. race that sure. takes you know seven hours. But then you also are happy to watch the 100k. To the front stages, they try to bring in. Fair enough. As, as long as you, as long as there's a place for everything, but it shouldn't come at a, at a cost of the original and the, the pure form of the sport. Is is kind of my take on it. And it's yep. seen in the long distance racing at the moment with the PTO creating their own distance, which is shorter than seventy point three. Now, World Tour Series are doing it shorter again. 
are we really that impatient that we want to change the sport we all really enjoy just to, just to squeeze it on our phones for uh, half an hour less time? But it will be exciting to watch. And the, the mixed relay in the Olympics was amazing. And this is the same sort of time frame for each athlete. I, I have a question for you, Aaron. You, you mentioned that you didn't think that it, well, you didn't really think that it should be um, added in the World Series overall rankings. I guess the question for you is, do you think that it would almost be better to do something like this and then also additionally in the series something like the original Kitzbühel race where you're actually going to see the overall World Series champion that is disciplined, not disciplined, but can can race at a different variety of all categories. So you throw in something like this and then you throw in something like that hilltop Kitzbühel race. I, I don't, did you race in that race? No, I was actually Pat would Pat would know this. I was um, stuck in hospital with pneumonia for two weeks in in a Spanish hospital. Um, but you're right. I think um, that Kitzbühel race was amazing viewing. Yeah, I think we can all yeah. agree that that was outstanding. Um, and that's what it is. And that's the same with this Montreal um, race. It is. It will be really good viewing. It's just, yeah. I I just don't know whether this type of racing should count towards the world end of season world series ranking because it is it is different racing i mean we'll probably you you probably still have the best guys that win um the long well the, the olympic distance racing probably will still be the best ones in this shorter format but you'll find as this develops more you'll have very specific athletes coming through that just target this type of racing and they probably won't even race the longer class races. So I don't know. It's it's a tough one. And I understand why the ITU or the World Triathlon are doing that is because if they don't have it as part of the series, two weeks after Nobody's the Games with three-day quarantine, who's going to turn up? So um, that's the reason. And there's very few races this year where um, they make up the World Series. So they're just trying to throw in everything that they can. Aaron, was there was there a problem because there was only forty athletes allowed for the men and women? What did they do about country quotas? Was it down to four for the bigger countries, or what? What did they? What was the process to get into these races for the the countries like the U.S. or Great Britain that can field a full team? No, no, I think they they could have had a full field. They they you, technically you can have more, yeah, because you have heats, so you could have you could have four, five heats of 30 like they do in um, in Hungary, in Tizavar sometimes. But I just think two weeks after the Games, a lot of people didn't want to be here. That's the, that's yeah, the reason. There was, there was okay. 60 on the start list about a few weeks ago, and it's now down to 40. Got it. Okay. Good to know. Oh, wow. Did you have to do both races? So if you did Montreal, you had to do Edmonton, or if you did Edmonton, you had to do Montreal first? No, no, no. So Christian, as um, he was obviously supposed to race was it Frankfurt? Oh, I don't know. Whichever Ironman yeah, it was to yeah, qualify Frankfurt. this weekend and then going to, to um, Edmonton. But those that arrived just for Edmonton will still have to do the quarantine. Um, so I think if you wanted to come here, then you may as well have done both. So you don't have to quarantine whenever you go to Edmonton? No. No. Oh, well, you have a day. Yes. I think you've got to have a day. You have to have a test and then um, wait until your results come in and then you can... Well, it's still only... It's still a soft... We can't just... once. So once our day's up tomorrow, I can't just leave the hotel whenever I like. We can only go and train at certain times of the day in your cohort um, at specific times. So, or I can't just go to the restaurant or, or whatever. We still have to be within our hotels until we are actually allowed out to train. Okay, so wh- which food was better, here or Yokohama? Oh, 
Yeah, here for sure. Um, and the good thing with here is we can order Uber Eats, where in Yokohama, um, there was none of that. Nice. Well, we can go, we can move on. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. Kong's Cup, the captain's picks. Uh, so Europe, it seems Cat Matthews was able to get a slot as well as Emma Pallant Brown. I've always said that I've always said the Collins Cup will be the best triathlon race the world has ever seen. I've been <laughs> consistent in saying what a wonderful job the PTO have done, and and the team captains and their excellent decision making. Absolutely, <laughs> it's going to be the best triathlon spectacle you've ever seen, according to Mark. Now. <laughs> And the men for Team Europe, we have Daniel Backegaard, which I think is a phenomenal pick, and then Sebastian Keenley, which I'm not sure I exactly agree with. I've put in brackets beside this worst pick. I, do you want to go through them all and we can talk? But I mean, yeah, deal. So U.S. women, uh, Taylor Nib and Katie Zafiris. Uh, U.S. men, Justin Metzler and Chris Lieferman. International, we have Ellie Salthouse and Sarah Crowley for the women, and for the men, Jackson Laundry and Kyle Smith. Yeah, let's let's yeah. let's start at the top. Uh, I thought that the women's uh, females pick for Europe were great, fantastic. The men's pick, Mark, what are your thoughts? So Daniel Backergaard is a is a I would have said a must though he's not been overly consistent this year with injury he's 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 a very exciting athlete across a lot of distances so i'd go daniel back i'd agree um in the women's side you have to wonder if someone some of the women turned it down as well because there's jody stimpson in there but you know she's she's been injured for a while but then there's there's obviously also this the, the, the Swiss road bike riding athlete that we all thought would be going. She might have turned it down. But Sebastian Kinley is the one that baffles me for Europe. He's not won a race since 2019. Um, he's been consistently injured, and the races he has done, he's been squarely beat on this year. And I think I'm only a bit irked by it because George Goodwin didn't get the slot instead, while Sebastian Kinley does. George Goodwin's a young athlete. He won the European 70.3 Championships and yet isn't in the European team for basically 70.3 standard distance. He also podiumed in Daytona. So I, I'm a bit baffled by that, but I'm sure there's, there's politics behind it. Of course, he draws a crowd. Norman Stradler's the team captain for Europe. He's a German and he's a friend of Sebastian Kinley's. So there's there's always some more to it. Yeah. If you don't remember, sense. there was a very big and a lot of money that went into a film, Beyond Human, that centered around three athletes to go to the Collins Cup. Lionel Sanders, Heather Jackson, and Sebastian Keenley. So I think that that yes. is why he received the slot. But and that's that's exactly what one of the other German athletes that is automatically qualified told me. He thought the reason why he got the slot was. But has he has he been injured? Like, do we know what sort of form he's in? Yeah, when... he has. Yeah, Achilles injuries, and he's had a couple back to back. He's back. He's back running, but he posts. He's one of these athletes that will post a track session you know, two weeks after being injured. So it's kind of hard to tell what form he is. He's not raced well for a while though, Aaron, no. Mm, okay. Because he has, he has raced really well there before, yeah? Like, Samarin's a really good course for him. Didn't he have a big, a good battle with oh, yeah. Lionel? Um... I don't I don't think that anyone's won there other than um, him and Lionel, so. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. The, the distances are slightly different because that's normally a standard 70.3 distance and the PTO brought it down, which weights more to the swim, which is his weakness as well less to the bike which is his strength so yeah he's done very well there but that was back in 2018 i believe aaron can you speak freely about pto 
<laughs> um, what do you want to know? What are you What are you asking me? Well, do you you know the the big debate we've had here is is, is do we think this is going to move the needle for for triathlon and where do we, what do we think we'll think about PTO after um, after this race? Or do you wish? I guess I guess what I'm saying is I wish they would have just done a one off seventy point three like Daytona again and called it the PTO championship and I think that would ultimately be much much better for the sport of triathlon than inviting you know. 25 athletes total to go and race in, in on teams yeah i think you're right to, to be honest i haven't um i haven't looked at a hell of a lot into the the pto collins cup um so I, I i guess i don't really have a real strong opinion either way other than the fact that i think it, it's going it's going to draw some good publicity for the sport and that's not a bad thing um but you're probably right in saying that could it have been better done by doing um like Daytona last year, which was absolutely incredible? I think what were the analytics for there? There was it smashed it out yeah, of the park, didn't it? The viewing. Yeah. 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 So yeah. um that probably it could probably could have been better money spent in that avenue and, and probably got a as good an outcome doing it that way. Um but yeah, I don't I don't have a, a strong opinion on it to be honest. Cool. Let let's let's dive into the US athletes. I think this is pretty uh shocking um taylor nib and katie zafiris to get selected uh there's going to be a lot of athletes that you almost want to say that are butthurt but also too that haven't been able to, to perform uh taylor nib did meet the qualification criteria which is 170.3 well one long distance race i could be wrong uh pretty sh- surprised to see katie zafiris on there not i think that she'll do incredible but do you do think that she did a race or did that not even matter mark wasn't the captain's did, did, didn't pick- matter yeah, the captain's yeah. pick could choose anyone, couldn't they? Yeah, so you had to do one race this year to get your points. So if you wanted to qualify automatically, you had to have done a 70.3 within this year to have enough points to then qualify. But a captain's pick could have picked anyone. anyone. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't but get me wrong. Though, I mean, they, they are really going to help the Team USA because I think that we struggled in depth of the female field. Uh, the big Mets pick, I mean... And Chris Lieferman. Chris Lieferman's always been on form. Justin's going really hot right now. I was surprised personally to see Justin Metzler picked over someone like Andy Potts or um, uh, oh Andrew Starkowitz. So, but I think that he's that he's going he's going hot right now. So, I was pretty surprised that they didn't pick Andrew just to get a little bit of firepower on the bike. Yeah. Uh, but the, it's it's a single head to head races and Starkovitz will yeah, run you ten minutes. I mean, those guys, you're just American. Ah, uh, he won't run that much slower. It's not even a seventy point three. This is a perfect run for him. He can gallop his way. He runs maybe like he's, get second. He runs like he's carrying two kegs. I, I'd I'd arms. argue against you though, Mark. I think that I think that Andrew Starkovitz would beat Justin Metzler five times, ten times out of ten. Quite, quite possibly, but you've got to look at recent form. I mean, the yeah, guy exactly, some, exactly. And, he also and has big some Mets, publicity issues. And Big Mets like has worked are, for it. He has been at every qualifying race, did everything he needed to do. So, I mean, he also served a violation, didn't he? Like he's he served a a, a, a violation on the WADA regulations under an Ironman test. Oh, like he's not yes. he's not a clean publicity pick either. And this is a publicity spectacle in itself. True. True. Who were some of the uh, US throw some names at me that missed out that could have got the captain's pick that didn't? Um, Andy Potts is definitely a big one. 
Andrew Strakonowitz is a big one. Oh, Tim, uh, Tim O'Donnell. Tim O'Donnell. And on, the, on the women? Uh, the woman... Leslie Smith. I mean, there's... The problem is... is oh, Col- Colin, Chardier, really Colin Chartier is, sorry, is the other athlete that he just recently placed third, who I thought was another good pick for Team USA. He just recently... We talked about this last week, Karen, but the women's pick, the first-ranked US female, is ranked lower than the sixth-ranked European female. So bringing in these two Olympic athletes, the you know Katie and um, Taylor are... It's exciting because it actually yeah. brings American women in for a fighting chance of at least winning two points. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, I absolutely agree that um, those two, Nib and, and Katie, are, are phenomenal picks. I just I wasn't sure who the ones that, that missed out. And yeah, yeah. quite cl- clearly those two, those two um, Nib and, and Zephyrus, will add, add big guns to the American team. I think it, it's like um, Sophie Watts and Lindsay Corbin, uh, Alyssa, Leslie Smith, Meredith Kessler, athletes that are proven to be better at, at the Ironman distance, I guess you could say. So Sophie Watts is, just had a surgery, so that's I think that's why they didn't go with her as a pick. And the, what, and did she have, what did she have surgery on? Uh, her uh, Achilles, I believe. Seems Achilles injuries have been plaguing uh, triathletes this year. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the international... international? The international team picks are Ellie Salthouse and Sarah Corrali. I mean, I, I, they would have been crazy to not pick Ellie. She's racing on very, very good form right now. Um, Jackson Lowndery and Kyle Smith. That could have been a toss-up. Uh, Henry Schumann would have been a f- phenomenal athlete to throw on the internationals um, if he wasn't injured. Uh, he, he's proven that he's went pretty hot in Daytona at, at uh, kind of that shorter distance and raced almost by himself all day. I guess he what did about, ride in that pack. What about um, Aaron Royal? Oh, Yeah, what about Aaron? I would have loved Did you get pick. a phone call at all, Aaron, or what? No, no, no. But I, I will tell you, I was um, when we were waiting to hear selection for the Olympics. When I was unsure which way my my season was was going to take, I was on the PTO website or the um, looking at what races I can do to get my qualification up. And it was always going to be like racing back to back to back to back. So I was definitely had my eye on it. But uh, yeah, as as my race as my season turned out, it was it was not to be this year. And I would love to be there. Yeah. Let's go. The, and, and and to just give everyone, and this, I'm more than sure this is the way that the format goes, which will be extremely exciting. So the day before the Collins Cup, um, it'll be very similar to like the NFL draft or NBA draft. Um, the best ranked um, male team will go first. So like, let's say Team Europe or the female team. So they will select their their athlete to race in the first heat. So then they will say, Jan Ferdino will race in race number one. And then Team International and Team USA will then decipher and they have a certain amount of time, like three or four minutes, and then they will select their athletes to go against Jan Ferdino. So Team Team Europe won't be able to know, I guess, if that makes sense. So International and then Team USA will select who's going to race Jan if they selected Jan to go in the first race. And then they'll do the same with the females. And then in the next time, the next, I guess, race, they'll pick the next best team based upon rankings, which would I'm sure would be international. So international would say, all right, we're going to pick Lionel Sanders to race. And then Team Europe and Team USA are going to pick their two athletes to go race Lionel Sanders. So 
watching that draft will be pretty exciting. It's they're all going to be there at the um, Samarin, like the Slovakia Center sports complex center and then also once that like let's say team europe announces jan will be in the first race he'll go ahead and walk up onto the stage and then and as the next athletes they announce who will be then the next two athletes will walk up there then they'll get their picture and then they'll walk off and then that's will be set for the first race the next day so that will actually be a pretty exciting thing to watch the day before the event will they do a weigh-in as well a (laughs) ufc weigh-in no a little standoff. But there, are, there is talk of their bikes being mic'd up, so they'll be able to talk whilst they're on the bike. The power files will be visible. Yeah. But, but I, th- I think, Mark, that this could be pretty exciting. Like, for example, the, Jan, the Team Europe, if they picked Jan to go first, they would have no idea who Jan's going to race, and they would have no say. A lot of people thought that, like, the team captains have been working together on who needs to race who and all that. And so this is really... It, it'll all be. You have moments still, to make the decisions. I'm still with Patrick on that. I'm, I'm a Pat's shaking his head. We still don't know that. They should have just great. said. They should have just said. Okay, they're putting four million or whatever into this race. They should have just said, "We're doing Daytona again. We're going to make it bigger and better. Everybody's going to be there in December." It would have been. It would have. It would have. They could have done all this hoopla beforehand. It would have been the coolest race ever. Um, yeah. Daytona didn't want nothing to do with after the PTO after their last event there, so that wouldn't have happened. Okay, well they could find another venue. Why? Why? What? What? Why didn't they? Uh, I just think that the um, organizer of uh, previously challenged North America uh, wanted to do his own thing, and so he started a new. Another thing called Clash and just to divide. So, yeah. So, okay. But you know, you know what I mean. I know what what you mean. I think this is going to be very exciting. Uh, I'm, and they'll go off in waves like 10 minutes apart. Yeah. And then the next three will start. And and a lot of people are hating on Team USA. I think that you could see someone like Team USA beat, crack the internationals and beat Team (laughs) International or something like that. I think it is going to be a lot more exciting than what people think. My worry is that a race is where, because essentially it's it's 12 races, isn't it, where they're going off in 10-minute intervals, but the 12 races with three people in each race, one from the internationals, one from... The problem is, of those races, maybe only four will be exciting because the chances are in long-distance racing, they just split up three athletes, especially if you're deliberately offsetting your talent versus your weakness to try and win points. Because if, if someone picks Yan first... Well, Team International aren't going to waste Lionel and go Lionel against Yan. Mm-hmm. Why or would Sam you? Long? Yeah. Well, why would you put your best person against your best person or against your best person? You're, if you, if this is actually done by the team captains, you want to offset your weakness against strength so that you can try and win points by mismatching the balance, which then just creates twelve boring races. Because ideally, for the team captains, each race is won by a long way by your best athlete. Mm-hmm. But if the larger the margin, the larger the margin, the more, the more points. points they get. So yeah. if you put if you put Justin Metzler, I'm sorry, Justin, if you put Justin Metzler against Jan Ferdino, Jan's going to be stacking some freaking points. Yeah, I get. That. I, I guess the only way you can make it more entertaining, Mark, is to take away all the appearance fee money and say, "All right, we're going to pay the winning team the most money, the second team." The next amount of money, and then or whatever, and you split it up like that. So then it almost makes it to where like, all right, we our team really needs to win. Like we're going for money now, versus like, oh, we're here and we're already getting paid ninety thousand dollars. What's up, everyone? I have a triathlon tomorrow. So, 
I'm excited though. I think, I, I I think it's going to be fun. I, I genuinely do. I'm looking forward to it, particularly the selection, particularly the tactics. And I will watch the race. I'm just, I'm a skeptic still. Whereas Pat, not interested. <laughs> we have two more weeks to be skeptics. How, how do we? Two more weeks. How do we watch it? Well, what's uh, is it? Is it going to be online again? Um, do we? Well, I, sure I, I think it will be. Uh, in America, I think it's going to be on the Discovery Channel. You'll be able to watch it on that. Uh, throughout, there's different uh, news outlets or uh, Euro TV Sport, stations. Eurosport Euro in Europe. And you'll be able to watch it online as well, which I would guess we're probably a majority, just on the PTO website. And have to pay for it again? Because didn't we have to pay for Daytona last year? I'd, I'd, I'm not... Like $2? Sure. I mean, it's not, it's not much. It's obviously... Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I would guess no, but I, I don't want to... Um, Say that that's that's official. I would guess yes. I think it I just be. want to be able to f- hear Phil Liggett commentate on triathlon. That's what I'm most excited for. <laughs> uh, the new du- uh, world triathlon. Hot series. takes. Hot takes. Let's go. Damn. I thought that was it. I thought that's what we've got. Well, we can't. We can't. We the the captain's pick aren't really hot takes. I don't think. All right. First hot take: Kona qualifier for the Olympics. Is this fair? Well, we'll, I mean, we'll let Mark lead out on this. I mean, I gave them the idea for this, it would seem. Um, because I, I, I'm sure this has happened in the past, and I'm sure this rule is written down somewhere. There's no way I just made that up, and then lo and behold, four weeks later, Iron Man decided to go through with that. So I'm, I was felt very vindicated when it happened. Do I think it's fair? Well, sport isn't fair. I think it's brilliant. I think it's exciting. I, sport is deliberately not meant to be fair. It, it rewards success, and... That's the idea of sport. And if you win an Olympic gold and you get a qualification slot to Kona, they're not stealing other people's slots for one thing. They're an additional slot. They are better than the worst athletes there. It's not like they couldn't have qualified somewhere else. The people moaning online that there are age groups for the people that can't get their slots, whilst the Olympic champions have got it, that's not fair. It's ridiculous. It's like me trying to compare me me not getting a slot, but Christian Blumenfeld did, because what? It's brilliant for the sport if we get Flora Duffy's Kona. I, I can't wait to see it. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, everything that Mark said, I completely agree with. I think um, the only the only thing I don't agree with is I was looking forward to Christian um, coming to Edmonton off the back of an Ironman the week before. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, will, I will say I agree with that one. What, one. One thing that I do want to say that I thought was so interesting, and I don't know how many times I need to explain it, I'll explain it on here. When we put up our post, a lot of people all asked the question, why did Alex Yee not get a slot that he won gold? And and I don't know how to explain. I mean, I guess, like, where do you draw the line? If they were to give Alex Yee a slot to Kona, they would have had to give in the entire um, British triathlon team that won the relay. So Johnny Brown, all them. But it's, so, it's also, like, people, people continuously miss the point that... Ironman is a private company running its own championships that we all happen to buy into. World Triathlon and the IOC are national governing bodies open to legislation if their rules aren't transparent and fair. Ironman can do whatever they want. We all pay to have that stupid tattoo. I didn't say stupid tattoo. Sorry, I know a lot of our listeners have a tattoo. We buy into that. If they want to do that, they can do that. It's very, very different. Aaron, what do you think, though? Could he have done? Could he really do an Ironman? on a Sunday and Edmonton a week later? Poorly, probably, yeah. Well, yeah, Edmonton, okay. probably poorly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 
he, he, if anyone, if anyone could do it, it's probably Christian. To be to be fair to him, but uh, I couldn't have seen him coming to Edmonton and and doing it well. Okay, this is going to set all the debate once and for all. Pat, do you recall when Gwen won the gold medal? Did she get an invite to Kona, or did Pro Tri News make this up? Gwen did not get an invite to Kona, and she's certainly not sour grapes about that. But I think that there's there's some um, mystery, like. Mark, you said it, and then it came to fruition. Um, we'd have to go back and ask in 2012, like who happened. But but uh, Gwen did not get an invite to Kona the year that she won the Olympics. I believe I I believe well not believe I thought what Mark said is true as well, and I don't know where I've heard it, and I don't know whether it's actually been followed through. But I have heard somewhere along the along the way that Olympic gold medalists get in, get invited to Kona. I, I believe that too. I'm just telling you that they took a break from that protocol in 2016. Love it. We're changing the sport, guys. One episode after another, changing the sport. Course records. Um, what is this? See, every every race this year, it seems 70.3 and Ironmans have changed all of their courses, and now everyone and their dog, whoever finishes first and wins the race, can claim, oh, I got the course record. I'm sorry, if you're an athlete and you're winning a race and you're bragging about the course record, then cool. Okay, cool. No I, I, thought really you were gonna, I thought you were going to say something a bit different there about how everyone's breaking records this year and there's been a step change in the sport. I mean, we all know it's bullshit. You can't claim the course record if you're the first person to do the course. It's ridiculous. But Aaron mentioned it earlier about the step change that he saw at the Olympics, the standard of athlete. And we've seen it across all sports. Is it, Aaron, firsthand, is it as big as it appears? Like, is the step change in performance in sport as big as it seems like from the outside over the COVID year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think um, it's 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 always evolving and moving forward, isn't it? But to me, it just felt like over the last year and a half, um, it's got faster, it's got deeper. Uh, if you're off your game a tiny bit, you're out the back. So yeah, I think um, it has. It's really progressed. Yeah, I think you see it across every distance in triathlon at the moment, and across all sports in general. Which is why another reason why we're seeing these course records change too. I I. I, I Go for it. Go. No, no. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, course records. I, I don't think I've, especially in world triathlon, it's never ever ever a thing. Like I wouldn't even know what time I've ever done in a in a in a world triathlon race, and it's never even. I wouldn't even know where to find it. Uh, well, you could look at the results, but I don't think there's ever. Uh, this is a, this is a course record for this race, so I don't think. Um, yeah. Times are really especially the addition, especially the addition of a lot of cones and some uh, world triathlon races. Now it's oh kind of difficult to get. I thought we were going to go through a podcast without cones being mentioned. Aaron, tell us about the cones. Yeah, go on. This is good. Um, what's your point? What's your view? Um, when you're makes... when you're when you're diving into a right hand turn. No, this is the leading cone... question now. This is okay. the leading question. No, 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 go, no follow, follow it on. No, no, go Pat, go Pat. And you're diving into a right hand turn and there's cones that are bringing you out, what it's going through your mind? Yeah, I, I, I agree um, that the cones are unnecessary. I, yeah, it's it's something that needs to be looked at. Um, I think we've, we saw a lot of crashes in 2019, um, and I actually put out a tweet, uh, well, in response to Brett Sutton actually saying that... Um, 
the course itself, not necessarily the cones, but the courses themselves are too dangerous. And I actually think, especially in those crashes that I was saw firsthand right in front of me, it's actually the way people are riding, um, not necessarily the cones um, in those instances. But you're right, there has to be something looked at to make it um, that, a bit safer because in Yokohama, for example, I think you, you guys might, might have touched on it in the podcast. Like, it was, it was, I mean, it Thanos was, is, Thanos has not ridden a bike on that course. No, no, it, no it was, it was, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was actually really dangerous on one of the corners where you went left. I think Pat, you, you know what I'm talking about, but you also, it was into a narrow section. You had people coming the other way and there was times where we were almost having head-ons because they're, they're avoiding the cones and then they're on the other side of the road. So, yeah, um, yep. yeah. It's a combination yeah, of the way people are. The, there's a lot more crashes these days in in world triathlon racing, and it's a combination of a lot of things, um, and all of them need to be looked at equally to make it safer for everyone. And I go back to you, you know, Aaron. Of course, that you won worlds on a 2012 Auckland, big wide open roads, technical descents, and massive climbs. That to me is totally fine. It's when they're um, they're adding in kind of all this like little these weird little technical features that they think create the race but it doesn't have any impact on it you've done plenty of big like madrid was just a big wide open square but an incredibly hard race on the bike yeah and both of them also great viewing as well weren't they like they're the two yeah yeah auckland and madrid were both great viewing races for for the spectators but i think we've kind of digressed a little bit haven't we pat you just wanted to get in and one more time get in the cones didn't you I can't, I can't, I can't. It just absolutely, it makes me, I just lose it, yeah. I, I, I wrote this one down. It can be yes or no from everyone, okay? And we hit on it earlier. WTS series, Adam adding random races for their points qualification. And I would even say is something almost like as far as an Xterra race or even a non-draft race to go into the um, points qualification to show the most well-rounded athlete. Would you ever want to do something like that, Aaron? Well, I want to do something. I'll yeah, try add a different be, format. I'll try, and, I'll try and answer it as quick as I can. I'd want to do it, but not part of the World Series. If you want to do Xterra, go race Xterra. If you want to do non-drafting, go race. 51.50s. 51.50, yeah. Mark? Yeah, I, Aaron's right, I think. But we have these different leagues and these different championships for the exact reason. And I think we like to see the, the experts in their field. And it gives us a wider variety of athletes. If you mix them all together, we have one great athlete to follow. Whereas now we can be fans of eight different versions of the sport, and it's brilliant. Pat? It would be fun if PTO did this, though. Pat? Because... Go ahead. I second what Aaron said. Third what Aaron said. Okay, I have one thing. It would be fun if the PTO did this as, like, a head-to-head thing. So you have a draft legal athlete, a 70.3 specialist, and maybe an Xterra athlete in their little head-to-head. You're thing. losing me, Kyle. I'm lost. Uh, I'm yeah, gone. Yeah. The, ol- the, only, the, only thing, the only thing that I add on to it is I remember talking to two different bike reps with two different companies that both told me that none of their clients or the people that buy their bikes can relate with World Triathlon Series ITU-style racing. Uh, the age groupers cannot relate to it versus something like a non-draft race or something that they can do. So I'm not saying... I mean, I'm not like saying that this is the way... I just think it would 
add some spice into it, make it interesting. But I mean, I would, I mean, I would agree to a certain extent. It is very hard for age groupers to understand what the World Triathlon Series draft legal racing is like because they see that and they're but, like, oh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, 100%. I'm just saying from from a marketing standpoint or brand standpoint, I feel like that that's probably why a lot of these brands don't dive as deep into ITU. All right, let's let's move on to this is a big one for me guys. Sam Long, no shoes on the podium. It just Is it a money deal? No, think? it's I don't I don't know what it is, but I had a I had a a very prominent sports marketing manager sent me a photo and he just said, why is Sam not wearing shoes on the podium? Um, and I said, well, I'm presuming because he's not sponsored by ASICs and he doesn't want to give them any credit. And he goes, well, it kind of looks dumb being barefoot on the podium. Uh, was was there champagne showers? Did they have champagne? Sam Long, since he started triathlon, he crosses the finish line and takes off his shoes because his feet feel good and they need a break. So that's why he doesn't wear shoes after a race. Sam Long's also never had a shoe sponsor, so there you go. Maybe if he had a shoe sponsor, he would do this. But if go go watch, go watch Lionel and Sam at the St. George finish. He crosses the finish line. He's rolling around the ground, crying and moaning, and he kicks off his shoes is the first thing he does. He does this. He's done this since his first ever 70.3 win. So I just I think just the look, obviously it would have looked better if he had shoes on at the podium. That's all I'm going to say on that. The only reason I ask about the champagne showers is because you do see it in ITU quite a bit where they um... – or champagne shower, champagne celebration. Uh, they take their shoes off on the podium because they don't want to get champagne in their shoes, I guess. Especially in Hamburg when you got a beer shower. Um, that, so that what you're happens. saying, Aaron, is is if your next WTS race win, you're gonna take your shoes off and hold it in your hand and pour the champagne in your shoe and, and, do, a sh- and do a shoey, and, and do a shoey, true Aussie style. <laughs> true, true Aussie style. style. <laughs> I have done that in Hamburg, by the way, uh, oh. with a beer. With a beer. Nice. Uh, Dinger. All right. This was the the biggest news in triathlon I saw this week. Ironman Alaska 2022. We don't even know if this is even a pro race. I don't even know why you guys are so worked up about this. I think it's just so cool. I mean, I was texting Talbot last night. I can't wait for Lionel to do this race next year. Um, It's going to be, I think they should do something kind of cool and start the race because the, you, the sunlight goes for so long i think they should do it they could start it at three in the morning right when it's sunny out i think they could do something kind of cool um with respect to the sunlight so anyway starting a race at 3 a.m is cool for no one <laughs> okay guys <laughs> i think mark's got it. we went way over our time today aaron you're you've, you're now on the official longest podcast we've ever done so thank you hey there we go Talbot, you want to sign us off since you're, it's your favorite thing to do? No, I got to get back to work. You guys enjoy. Oh, thanks for watching, everyone. Um, please share our podcast with all of your friends, your grandparents, your family members. We're only doing this for the Instagram followers. And also, everyone, get out your phones right now. Open up Instagram and go show Aaron some love for coming on the podcast. Go comment on his most recent photo. Tell him how much you loved him. Follow him. And his Venmo account is... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. (laughs) Cheers, guys.